Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we have our co-host, Blake, and our good friend, Darian, joining us in the Escape Pod today to talk to you all about and or episode five, The Axe Forgets, uh, which is uh, seems to me the second episode in, a, in another three-episode arc. Uh, we're going to be breaking this down and getting into all the things we may have noticed and things we liked, things we didn't like, and um, the usual stuff. So... Let's get into it. Another happy landing. to the podcast, Blake and Darian. What's up? Hello there. <laughs> Back to entertain the audience of Star Wars Escape Pod uh, with another episode breakdown and um, episode five. I mean, the first thing I noticed right off the bat, I think I, I mentioned it in the intro, but uh, this is now the second time in which we've had two episodes that have just kind of just been build up episodes and then... Yeah. Now we know the the next one is going to be the heist, right? It's all action, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was actually just talking to my brother-in-law was we watched it yesterday, like when we finished. I'm like, oh, they're doing the same thing again. They're like, first two episodes are all drama, and the third one is just all action. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think of this one, Darian? It could be, what if there's one more build-up episode? It's not, we're not quite going to get into Throw the us off. I think, I think we will, though. Um, honestly, I'm still loving the series. Um, yeah, there wasn't a ton of action, but I'm just really excited for the heist, I guess, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, it was great. It's all just like internal turmoil and drama, right? So it's like there's more, it's like a slow burn, kind of almost like a psychological thriller sort of feel to it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny because like I enjoyed it. I wanted to see everything like the next thing that's going to happen. And then it was over. I was thinking about stuff for the podcast. I'm like, nothing really happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that was totally fair to say because I like I enjoyed it. And it, it's definitely not to complain because because, um, you know, that would just go back on kind of what I like about the series being a bit of a slower burn than some of the other ones that we've had. But um, but yeah, I mean, I have expected this one to be the heist episode, right? Uh, just based on yeah. the last episode that we saw. And then yeah. and then I was very surprised how much, uh, I don't want to call it filler, but 
filler stuff that we had in this episode, uh, which so you're saying we should have eight episodes instead of twelve. No, I uh, not not really, and that's why I'm saying like I'm not really complaining, but um, but I was just I was just kind of taken aback. I guess I guess I was just surprised that that uh, there was a, yet another lead up episode to uh, the big mm-hmm. uh, the big heist, right? So. That being said, I think it was the right call just because if we had finished the last episode with with uh, Cassian being left on this planet with these these other uh, rebels that are about to do this heist and there's like there's the anxiety around it like there's this new guy that just joins in like the night before they're going to do it. I yeah. feel like we wouldn't get the this the reading of the room that we got with everybody like on edge. Right. I felt like the a lot of the drama we got between them because of Cassian showing up would have been sorely missed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause that, that one really, this episode really targeted in on, on, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Skeen, um, kind of his, his paranoia about, about Andor, his mistrust of the guy that, you know, shows up mm-hmm. right before the, the big job. Right. So I liked it him probably a could lot, come into play again too. Yeah. yeah. I think it will. I bet there, I bet. Yeah. It's, there's going to be a drama at the beginning of the next episode, and then Cassian's going to like save everybody, yeah. <laughs> and then they'll trust him. He's got you calling the shots right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to happen. That's safe. So I like there's kind of a lot guy, going yeah. on right now, though, isn't there? Like we're seeing that dude that went to his mom's house. He's back. The yeah. first scene, the first scene with that, I thought was great. I really liked it a lot. The back and forth with him and his mom as he's like eating cereal. Yeah. Blue milk and uh, yeah. Maylou runs. Being forced to to live with his mom's house because he's just out unemployed. Did you see the juji fruit? There's juji fruit on her her fruit stand there. Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, uh, the the spiky looking mango thing is a as a is a Maylou run, which was most famous famously made in in Star Wars Rebels. It came up a lot. Yeah. The Maylou runs, you know. It's just like oh, I got the name wrong. That's what I was thinking of. Was that? Oh. I'm a juji fruit. Oh yeah. Oh oh. Ooh, and I think I think I know what you're talking about. You're you're thinking of um, uh, those purple ones, the mm. um, the ones from Clone Wars that were like everywhere. Uh, okay, I, I totally forget the name. Up then. Yeah, the I'm I'm blanking on what those are called. Believe it or not, but uh, yeah, I, I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, those, those like pomegranate looking, glowing, kind of pear things that look yeah. like an onion as well at the same time. It's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a lovely fruit, uh, right? So. So his name is uh, Cyril, and um, I I thought to myself cereal. like cere- yeah cereal yeah cereal eating a cereal cereal. <laughs> yeah. cereal cereal eating a cereal blue milk uh, uh, cereal is uh, is kind of the first antagonist character that really has such an immediate shift in his story that we're able to sympathize with the character right away because uh, I looked at him prior even though he's not technically imperial. I kind of looked at him as an imperial loyalist, you know, just a guy who kind of yeah. follows the law, doesn't in no way whatsoever fighting the empire at this ta- time of their reign. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, if you just watched the show and you didn't uh, like know really the difference between imperials and non-imperial police, you would just assume he's imperial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and uh, not that he's a huge fan of the empire coming in and basically firing him, taking his jobs, but 
but you know, I would definitely call him kind of a a loyalist to a degree for sure, based on his his character and you know a guy who's just all about the law, right? Like he's literally trying to do his job the way that the empire has kind of set it up to 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 happen for, and he basically just loses everything to this dude who he chases down and thwarts his plans, and so. You know, I think it's the first time that, at least for me in a Star Wars se- movie, that that I'm able to kind of look at an antagonist character like that and go, I actually kind of feel bad for him. You know, like he's just gone up against a rebel and lost his job. And you know, he's like crashing at his mom's house and they have to ask yeah. their uncle to like help him out and stuff, right? Like, <laughs> like this kind of sucks for the guy. He's like, and like... It's the, like an other perspective, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So if you screw up as an Imperial or you know whatever you either get choked out by vader or you just get like tossed aside and unemployed and live in your mom's basement yeah we're always we're always looking at the one side of the story being like these rebels who you know just keep shooting up different stormtroopers and whatever and it's like dude, one of those guys he's got a name he's got a family you know yeah, if you've seen right. robot chicken his name's gary <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a funny like situation to think about. Yeah. That stormtrooper, you just lost a leg or whatever. That's probably just a regular average guy who now can't do his job. And he's like, probably knowing the empire going to be thrown, tossed aside and, you know, expendable. Right. (laughs) That's always the side that I've always really enjoyed. And I know when George did his works, they, he just ignored that entirely. They were basically just clones or whatever. Right. You were just faceless bad guys. But I know the first time I saw a perspective like that with Stormtroopers was uh, a novel by Timothy Zahn. And he did a, it's called Allegiance, and it follows this this group of Stormtroopers who, I guess similar to Finn, are supposed to do something they don't want to. And so they actually, like, they uh, they flee. Like, they go on the, on the lamb from, from the Empire. And the one of them, like, stays and has to, is, like, hunts them down. So I guess that's basically Bad it's Batch. Bad Batch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except this, this book came out in like 2000. <laughs> was this the same series of books that introduced Mara Jade to the canon or to it the is. to the EU, sorry? Yeah. Uh that's not the first time Mara Jade showed up. Mara Jade first shows up in the Thrawn trilogy, but she oh, is in right. these novels yeah. as well. Right. Yeah, she played a primary part of one of those books, yeah. Um yeah, so that's uh, that's that's definitely kind of Yeah, it, it's a perspective that we don't always get, right? Um, no, and and, it's cool, and it adds a lot of sympathy to like the empire. Cause, mm-hmm. Like the people, a lot of the people who are like stormtroopers, pilots, whatever, are just normal people that needed a job. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the upper echelons, people in charge, that are all bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, down to the lowest kind of imperial worker, uh, the lowest of the lowest imperial workers are basically just slaves, right? Because you know, the, yeah. the, they get branded with the tattoos and everything. That conversation even came up in the episode with Skeen showing his tattoos to Andor. Well, right? We He's, could talk about that because he recognized them, but I didn't know what they were. I think he didn't explain it. Yeah, I, I I didn't look too much into it. Um, from what I understood, it was basically just like um, concentration camp style. Uh, okay. brandings and tattoos you know part of different groups of workers right so um uh, that's that's what i could that's what i kind of got from it uh i don't know you know if anyone else got anything different from that but uh that's just kind of what i, I thought he was a soldier <laughs> <laughs> I, it was like a soldier tattoo. well his brother he said his brother was a farmer right and and yeah. he and he said so the he said at one point in the episode that the, the empire basically came into their world and 
just took everything his brother had, very similar to what Lothal and all their people mm-hmm. go through in Rebels. And yeah, his brother basically just goes out to sea, fills his pockets full of rocks, and hops overboard. So he's like so depressed that he just kills himself. Can right. You- just the fact that they even brought that up in a, a Star Wars show to me is pretty crazy. Yeah. You never hear about suicide. No, ever. yeah, you, you hardly ever hear about that stuff, right? So, so I mean, uh, I mean, you, you see a bunch of kind of sacrificial suicides in Rogue One, but you don't really see... That's different. You know, a, you know, depressed, degraded kind of... Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, hearing a story like that and then, like, looking at a guy like Cyril and... You know, I was like, dang, wow. I mean, you know, I never really thought this deeply about characters in Star Wars before. <laughs> I mean, it's very, yeah. like, face level. Like, this is great fantasy. You know, we can get into lore and stuff like that. But really talking about kind of, like, what's this character feeling right now? That's never really been a huge subject in Star Wars at all. You know, it's like, it's always been kind of a glossed over, as fantasy is, right? Like, I don't look too deeply into the relationship between Snow White and whoever finds her in the forest. But, I mean, you know, it's a fantasy, right? You don't really think about that kind of stuff. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's all for, like, the... It's all the grand narrative. Yeah, the grand narrative. Yeah, yeah. And and so, I mean, Star Wars is a space fantasy. So, I feel like kind of the, the nitty-gritty, deeper kind of, like, mm-hmm. psychological aspects about some of these characters don't always come up. And the very few times it does come up, it's usually in a book or yeah. in a comic series or something like that, where you really kind of get yeah, inside the true. head of a character. Yeah, It's funny because, I know I've brought this up before, but I think that that's the exact thing we were missing to make Finn a good character. Like if yeah. they had made him really serious and like did it like from this angle where it's like pretty good. He's like an ex-stormtrooper. He's like trauma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that would have been a really angle for, a really, really cool angle for his character because he's, you know, he could be, I mean, in the Force Awakens, he's always like sweaty and like, you know, just like. <laughs> and so I'm like, I feel like I feel like it would be a great angle to kind of approach like the PTSD kind of like this is a soldier who's not ready for what he's about to do, what he's about to be asked about for to do, right, ordered to do, and you know leaves kind of because of that. But you know, it would be really interesting to have approached his character as like he's also kind of freaked out about this stuff. Like, let's just integrate that in, and you know, maybe he's got kind of problems joining the resistance because not just because he doesn't want to fight anymore, but because he's kind of afraid to keep fighting regardless, right? Like he doesn't want to kill anybody. He doesn't want to hold a blaster. Right. Just also think about like the psychological issues you'd have if you were like a, a child slave soldier. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Because he was kidnapped when he was like such a young guy, right? Yeah, exactly. And that is not brought up at all. <laughs> no, it's, it's not brought up enough. Beca- and and it's 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 funny because like that's always a plot point in like throughout all of Star Wars. Like there was a a, a, a um, Clone Wars arc where Palpatine sends out Cad Bane to kidnap a bunch of like infant Jedi, and then there was a arc in Rebels where the Inquisitors are trying to take infant Jedi or Force users at least. Uh, there was uh, that whole Rebels book series called Servants of the Empire where they kind of introduced, um, I think his name was Zare. It's a friend uh, that Ezra makes when he's kind of undercover at the the Imperial Academy. And there was a whole book series that followed that character and his search for his sister. And, uh, you know, he was taken, or his sister was taken at a young age for this, like, there's a secret academy going on where they're training stormtroopers like from a young age, and that kind of translates into the program that the First Order runs later. Okay. And there's like a whole connection there. So like this goes back a lot, right? Like kidnapping kids and like just kind of 
brainwashing them for like you mm-hmm. know evil plans or whatever has always been kind of a nefarious plan on behalf of the empire the emperor first order whatever um but yeah they, it's never really approached in in the main films and i feel like that would be a really cool plot point and they almost were able to do that because lando's daughter was kidnapped and in rise of skywalker yeah. she shows up as uh, i forget the character's name i always forget her name i think it's like is it janna or something Gina, I think, Jane. Yeah. Jana, uh, yeah. yeah that's his daughter the one that rides like the horse thing yeah yeah so it, it's kind well, of it's kind it's of like inferred it's a gray area yeah, yeah. It, in the in, it, in the visual dictionary for the movie i believe they ended up confirming it yeah but interesting in the movie kind of leaves it for food for thought though because they didn't he say to her at the end like he said he says i guess we'll find out together you know when when they're kind of <laughs> talking about her losing her father he's he lost his daughter yeah yeah they basically like my daughter was kidnapped and she's like, I was taken from my family. They're like, Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Plus that novel that we read recently, the shadows of the Sith, um, that also went into that whole plot point as well and never quite resolved it. So I feel like it was all just kind of leading up to that, that inferring of like nothing happens after that movie anyways. Like, let's just assume that that's, you know, it's a happy ending. Right. Like, I mean, can you imagine that moment happening? And then knowing that after that movie takes place, they end up realizing, Oh, actually you're not my daughter. (laughs) like like there's no way you know like after ever after all that everyone gets a medal first order evil forever in the universe is gone that's what it would have been if uh land is like oh i made a mistake actually you're not my daughter (laughs) yeah that's the ending if ryan johnson directed yeah (laughs) psych exactly yeah surprise yeah yeah. it was nothing at all surprise um yeah no it's that'd be quite funny um <laughs> to to get back to Cyril though, uh my my kind of question I'll pose to the room just before we move on to the next point is uh will he join the ISB? Um obviously he's not happy with the Empire. Um this uh, very kind of ambiguous name of an Uncle Harlow. Uh I was trying to figure out if he was like if it was actually his uncle or if his mom was just like it's like a leader of like a crime family and like a mafia <laughs> crime family, you know, instead of the godfather, she's like so. the mother and there's like uncle this and uncle that. And, you know, right. Like, <laughs> so like, who do you get fired from your job. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I can just picture that being a thing like a weird kind of like, but I was like, no, no, it's gotta be his actual uncle. Maybe his <laughs> uncle's like high up in the empire and he's just kind of like that loser nephew that just got fired and he's got no prospects in life and you know. i don't even think it's that i think he's just like someone that the family yeah like, is close to and is wise essentially right it's like the right. go-to i guess like the head of the family the head of, yeah the head of family yeah yeah i could yeah i could see that as well i mean that's why i thought i was like yeah that's probably a more reasonable like train of thought there <laughs> that's probably so not is that, some... so is that an option for him though to go to the isb do you think or is he gonna go like a rogue prop kind of thing and go for andor himself i, I don't know i mean, I, I have a feeling that that'd be interesting that would be that'd cool be too that would be very cool too but i have a feeling like this whole episode anytime we saw him at the kitchen table it was all about his prospects in life he's got none we got to talk to uncle harlow we'll get we're gonna get it sorted out so and uncle harlow said he shouldn't be a cop yeah that's right he shouldn't be a cop because that's what exactly what the corporate authority is it's there there it's like a private it's like a company a corporate-based police force right so the isb isn't quite the same and and i feel like based on the genre of this show it's a likely chance that he could be 
eventually yeah. inducted in the ISB. But I don't know. I could be totally oh, wrong there. I could be sniffing yeah, up the wrong tree. Yeah, maybe he'll cross paths with the the lady who's struggling to find the connection, and then he's gonna exactly get in that Agreed. way. Yeah. Exactly. That, that would make the most logical sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, Lita is introduced, uh, Mon Mothma's daughter, uh, which is a very small nod to an EU reference of her existence. And uh, that being said, uh, Lita also has a brother who is an uh, so far unmentioned character in the canon, and his name is Jobin. And Jobin, in the EU at least, died on Hoth um, in a story there. But uh, that's just probably something for another time. I was just a little surprised because Lita has never been one of those characters that's just popped up in an EU novel or anything like that. It was, I think her first mention was like, uh, I was reading, it was in a source book uh, for like Dark Empire or something like that. It was like a like a West End Games thing, you know, going back to the 90s, you know, the, the, the Pablo Hidalgo days of playing RPGs in Star Wars. And uh, it was like a mention of her name. And then in another EU story with Jobin, on Hoth, it was like a name drop. It was like, please tell my sister Lita, you know, I love her and all this stuff, whatever. Like it was, it was like some sort of kind of goodbye message sort of thing. And, um, I was like, wow, like we never actually ever saw this character like in a story. And now it's like that brief subtle mention of her. She's like mm -hmm. full on, there's an actress that plays her now. Right. So it's funny that her page is longer in the canon now than in the in the EU. That's a very that's, rare that's case, funny. you know. Yeah. Imagine being the guy at West End Games who just like rolled that in just because. Dude, you know, yeah. Like actual thing. It's like it's such a cool. small thing, right? So I mean, that be, that's that's the thing, right? Like I think there's so much hope that we can have for a lot of these subtle EU mentions that just get dropped here and there that that are like, wow, that just kind of canonized this and that. And I mean, we're talking about it in the last week's episode about some of the artifacts in uh, Luthen's uh, store, I think it was, or, or, yeah. or the, the, the like sky, the yeah. sky, the Kyber that he gives um, Andor, right? Like that kind of canonized that whole piece of history about that, um, uh, the KOTOR stuff, right? So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's the, uh, what do call it now, the alien race. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just thought that was kind of a cool cool little note there um so in this episode the plan of the for the heist is rehearsed and practiced by the rebels and andor proves he knows what he's talking about when he really demonstrates his attention to detail um, makes him a good spy uh, he points out who is left and right-handed and who should take up what positions um i really like that scene did you guys like that scene they're like rehearsing in the field and then mm. you know yeah. Kind of like the person who's like loyalty is questioned actually kind of like saves the day and he's like, no, no, he's, he's left-handed. He's like right-handed, but he shoots to the left and all this stuff. And it's like, how do you yeah. know these things? Like, <laughs> It shows us to do as the audience to like trust them and like this yeah. is the real deal kind of thing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, did you notice it when they were marching and they're like the front two guys are facing one way and the next two guys are facing the opposite way? It looked weird. Yeah, it did look weird. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, was, uh, it, it was just kind of like a neat little... Like, oh, the new guy just knows what he's talking about, you know? And um, I, I, I just like that. I, I, I like when that happens, when kind of the the underdog or the one who's kind of like, oh, should we trust him? You know, like, what does he have going, like, that can contribute to our group? And uh, then they end up being, like, the the one that comes in and kind of blows everyone's minds for some weird reason. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um we got a flash that the Empire has moved into Ferrix. It was a very brief kind of little 
scene drop. Uh, someone has taken up a hotel as their base of operations. I feel like we're going back there. I feel like Ferrix is not gone from the story. Like we haven't left Ferrix behind after that whole event with corporate authority. So mm-hmm. there's a good chance that Bix is going to come back into the show. Ferrix is going to play an important role later. Um, and uh, maybe at this point it'll be, you know, more heavily under imperial authority kind of thing but uh, do you guys have any kind of speculation about that uh i would say just because i'm thinking when uh cyril's like looking at him in the hollow projector thing right they're looking he's looking at the old andor like the younger version of andor sorry Uh, i feel like that almost is a little bit of a hint that there's something else going on there like he he hasn't let it go obviously and so that's going to be a connection back to ferrix and maybe that's where he's going to run into the lady there and join in. And then they're going to go after Andor through that way. Because hmm. she's trying to hunt him, right? Trying to connect everything together. Because she's kind of figuring out... She's basically... It seems like she's figured out the rebellion. Because they're splinter cells. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to connect them together. But they're too random to be random, as she put. As it yeah. Was put in the show. Yeah, too random to be random, yeah. So yeah. she's going to have to go back to that planet at some point. Because she thinks that's a, a, a big connecting point mm-hmm. yeah um yeah darian did you catch all the little verbal cameos of the uh of of what what blake just mentioned uh in um that that conversation with dedra at the isb at the isb there were some verbal verbal cameos of planets did you catch them all um a few not there. exactly jack who was in there jack who yeah yeah jack, jack. I mean, other than the, the classic ones but. yeah yeah um, as far as speculation goes, I don't really. Yeah, of course they got to go back there. I don't really know how they will. Um, yeah, my my guesses would be the same as yours. I guess. Yeah. I wonder if the 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 girl I'm blanking on her name now who like helps Cassian escape. Yeah, uh, and kind of like sets him up. But yeah, I bet you she's gonna come back for something. She seemed like a pretty strong character. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah, she'll definitely be back. I think. Um. Do you think there's any way Sarah will join Andor? There's I wondered a, that. Yeah, I kind of that crossed my mind as well. Um, like he seems like too like innocent to like want to hunt Andor. I could see him like meeting up with him, them kind of like fighting it out, and then deciding they should just join forces together. Yeah, that could be the twist. I like I've been kind of going back and forth on which direction I think it's going to go. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's also possible that I mean this whole thing is like so up in the air right because i feel like with the whole the whole espionage kind of spy aspect of it maybe things might not be quite as obvious as we might assume right because like i i mean i i just assume like oh he's probably going to go work for the isb but there's also a chance that he might end up being put in touch with luthan or something through his uncle maybe his uncle's actually like you know side hustling for the rebellion and and it's possible, you know, yeah. Right, and it's like maybe like, oh, hey, we need a guy who knows this kind of the, these routines and stuff from the inside. Like my nephews, you know, he's no longer mm-hmm. with the corporate authority. It's not like he has any kind of malicious means to report us. You know, he was just canned and stuff. So you know, let's uh, let's bring him on. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, he's bitter. He's bitter towards his, his previous employer. Why would he want to work for the Empire? He just took his job, right? So there's there's that angle as well, which is like, oh, I guess he could yeah. work for the Rebellion. So yeah, That's, or why not both? Maybe he helps lead the ISB. Yeah, starts working there, realizes like he's made a horrible mistake, and then switches. Yeah, yeah, double agent. Yeah, 
Uh, don't forget, there's two seasons of this show. It's going to happen. So, um, of Andor? Yeah, there's going to be a second season, which is going to be a time jump. It's going to jump another couple of years into the into the future, the timeline. Are we already it. five years out from Rogue One? Like we, is, is that where this is this show is it five years before rogue one or what's i think i think it yay yeah, yeah I, I think it, i think you're right i think it was i think it was something close to five five or, if we're jumping we're gonna be like right before rogue one so i wonder if um uh jen jen Urso, is that her name mm-hmm. well yeah. i wonder if she'll be in the second season who knows i guess probably not but. yeah there was there was what was the bby Maybe on the first episode, episode. yeah um, there was a there was a there was a date that literally came up in the first episode. The show takes place, or at least Galen or so. Oh, five BBY, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. Yeah, so like five years before Rogue One. Um, so yeah, I think I think the next season it jumps two or three years, and then we're about two year, two or three years behind Rogue One. I think that's what the plan was. That's what they kind of announced um, when they said that they were going to do two seasons. But and so at that point, Jin would be. With uh, what's his face, right? Uh, Saw, yeah, that's right. Saw Guerrero, and yeah. Saw is supposed to make an appearance in this season too, because he's in the trailer. So, oh yeah, true, good yeah, point. Yeah, because yeah. we're speculating on Jin having a cameo even in this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, brief mention, just to go back to those verbal cameos of the planets in the ISB um, office. Uh, we had verbal cameo for Hosni and Prime. Um, this is the first on-screen reference prior to the sequels made about Hosnia Prime. Um, not counting the animated shows, because I can't quite remember every single verbal cameo in all the animated series, but uh, this is the first live-action on-screen, you know, Hosnia Prime. is like, oh, wow, that's that planet that was supposed to be a dupl- duplicate version of Coruscant that was blown up in The Force Awakens, yeah. In the first, uh, like, 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that was, the, uh, that was the new capital for the New Republic later. Um, so there was a verbal cameo there. First, uh, there was I also. I think um, it would have meant more if they just blew up Coruscant. Like that, that'd be a huge story point. That would be but a huge story point, yeah. But I then still can't help but feel that was the plan, and they got cold feet and just changed it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. Instead, just duplicate it and then blow it up. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a verbal cameo to Kessel, uh, which is mm-hmm. you know we all know Kessel, uh, Fondor, which is the shipyard. That's where they make a lot of ships and Imperial uh, st- uh, star destroyers. Um, Jakku, we had a verbal cameo to Jakku. Um, lots of, there was a lot of, some sort of activity going there. Um, was there a proton something or another or whatever going to Jakku? I don't know if this was on behalf of like, if they were talking about these rebel cells or if they were talking about like Imperial shipments, kind of like events taking place. Yeah, yeah. But like subtle brief mention to Jakku is um is tie-ins to the aftermath trilogy where Jakku was kind of set up as a contingency planet to lure the rebellion into a fight there and they were planning to blow up the planet with every single imperial remnant and rebel remnant around the planet and that whole plan ended up getting thwarted. Um, and the battle still took place, which is why in Force Awakens, there's all those crashed ships and stuff. And, you know, the, the Battlefront 2 campaign kind of got into that as well. But uh, the Chuck Wendig Aftermath trilogy really kind of went into the nitty gritty with that plot line uh, with the contingency plan. And um, there was I liked that there was a mention to Jakku and that there was some shipments going in and out of there because it's it's it wasn't a nowhere, you know, until later after the, you know, 
events of the empire and then then yeah no one stopped everyone stopped caring about jack who was like okay nothing's going on there anymore there's uh, definitely an effort to do references from like all of star wars hey like the eu yeah tie together Rebels, the originals see and like trying to get a little bit of everything i you know and yeah exactly and it's not like the sequels have never connected with me it's 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 um like they, they never really have but i've always mentioned that i like when they're trying to integrate it more because my current problem is that they're just so distant right they just feel not part of the rest of the story that's happening so the stuff that they're the strides that that are being made through mandalorian and um other other shows other means uh to try and bring that trilogy like a little closer you know stitch the gap together like i like that kind of stuff um which is why shadows of the sith the novel was quite intriguing to me because like it was Mm -hmm. it was a gap that just was needing to be filled right um, so like, I, I like these little verbal cameos to like Hosnia prime and Jakku and stuff. Cause you know, there, there are places that it's like, well, no one talked about these earlier. Like why, you know, if you're watching it all chronologically, like one story, like why are they just coming up like later? And I know the galaxy is a big place, but I mean, you know, it would be nice to kind of get some sort of connection earlier just to kind of, you know, it's, it's like, it's like painting a wall. You do it in layers. Right. So, um, makes the color a little better when you have these little subtle mentions, uh, so the 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 guy that they have on the inside at the base is it is it Gordon or something? Gordon. He, yeah. Gordon. Cleverly tricks the maintenance crew into painting the gantry a day after the heist without looking, uh, making it too obvious that he's part of the plan. So he kind of like says, you know, I want this done tomorrow, and then they kind of like, well, you know, the big celebration is tomorrow. We don't want to do it tomorrow, and he's like, all right, then do it the day after tomorrow, right? So he kind of like. Mm-hmm makes it more obvious he knew that was going to happen like he called he called the bluff as as far as like knowing that they would probably protest that um so i feel like that was kind of a well-worded way of like not making it obvious just straight up like i want you to do this in two days (laughs) don't touch it tomorrow and then you know knowing that he's got his crew going in and stealing all the money so um why does he want it painted at all was he just trying to give himself an alibi I think it was. A, I think it's just a job that needs to be done, like in in. The, but if they weren't going to do it on the holiday anyway, then what's the point of having the conversation? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, right? Like, I think that's that's just it. It's probably he could probably wonder, force them to do it, you know. But I wonder if it's going to hide evidence or something, like the day after the, the they're, it's going to get painted and cover something up. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's tr- yeah. That's true. Actually, maybe there's maybe there's some invisible ink or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know. There's a, there's a whole lot of stuff that we don't know about. Like, I mean, even that that the leader of their rebel cell just kind of shoves off at the end of the night, um, takes takes a gun, just leaves, and it's like everyone's like, "Oh, where where are you going?" And it's, it's, again, it's, everything's on a need to know basis, and she's just mm-hmm. like, "You'll find out." <laughs> it's like, all right, I guess this next episode, um, it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of stuff that we're not going to know, right? It's going to happen. Uh, so do we actually see the I'm just rewatching um the scene with Gorn. Is that like they show like a ship? Is that the ship they're gonna take? Um the heist? The it's train like thing, right? Yeah, the big yeah. train, yeah. It has like all like the the doors down on the ground. Yeah, yeah. There's a, like a big train it's with uh funky. on rails on the there's rails oh, okay. above it or something. So yeah, yeah, they're they're gonna be um taking that whole thing and motoring down the tunnel i guess and they mentioned something about how all the workers there soldiers whatever you want to call them want to watch the eye right like 
Mm-hmm. Is that that's what's the, uh, shower. Yeah, that's the big meteor yeah. shower. Yeah, so everyone's gonna be like distracted while they're exactly. loading up the goods. Yeah, um, yeah. Skeen pulls a knife on Andor. The truth comes out about the Kyber and his promise of payment. Um, and then later he admits to Andor what causes his brother's death. Uh, I know we already mentioned this, but I want what I want to mention afterwards. Like it, it kind of goes back to that conversation of like why do people join the rebellion? And I think that's a very important part of this show is like, why are people doing this? You know, like your life is on the line. Like, like, um, you know, there, there's, there, if you look back at, you know, World War II and you think to all those like heroic people who were smuggling people in their walls and it's like, wow, like they had like the guts to actually defy what was happening in their country to do the right thing, to do the humane thing. Right. And, it's like, okay, this is kind of a similar-ish uh, event where, you know, it's a very oppressive government and stuff. But, like, they've been ruling for a while. Like, it's been 10, 15 years. And so, like, why now? Like, why join the rebellion now? Why try and do something about this gargantuan, galactic-wide, oppressive empire that one person like Luke can't believe he could do, ever do anything about it, right? You know, that's why he's like... That's why he's kind of not convinced at first, you know, when he's on the farm. He's like, you know, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that, right? Like when Obi-Wan Kenobi comes to him yeah. and it's like the reluctance, right? Like the, the belief that he, he, that one person can't it's, make a difference, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so... And the people that almost push their, their wits end, the Empire just crossing everyone all the time. And yeah. Advantage and yeah. Being cruel. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so for for skiing, it, it it's a revenge story. He's he's out for the empire because of because for revenge, like for pretty much avenging his brother and you know what happened to him and what happened to himself at all these different camps and stuff like that, right? Like he's just bitter. He's sick of it, you know. So everyone's got their story, and and like the uh, the the leader of the rebel cell, she kind of also mentions to Andor. She says everyone has their own rebellion. And I was like, that's a really good way to put it. Everyone is fighting for the rebellion in a cell because they have their own reason for being there. It's not like, yeah. and there is this unified, the cause, right? Like there's a kind of like, yeah, we're the rebellion. We fight the empire, but um, you know, everyone's got their motive for being there in the first place. And, and it's just kind of, it adds a little more interestingness to everyone who's a part of it because I agreed. never I really thought I- about that before. <laughs> The side effect that this has had, especially like this, this specific episode uh, is now I, I can't help but think of all the soldiers on like Hoth and stuff and just wonder, like, why are they there? They're not just like generic mm-hmm. placeholder people, you know? Yeah, they exactly. They have their own story to why they signed up. Right, exactly. And it, it kind of goes back to that, that topic of like, this is a space fantasy and it's kind of glossed over for a lot of things here and there in, in the main overarching story. And it's like. Yeah, we watched those movies. The re- the rebellions, like, oh, those are the good guys. Like, you know, these are all people fighting for the rebellion because they're the good guys, right? But you know, realistically, it's like, no, they're more than just the good guys. Like, they are here for a purpose. You know, it's not like they were called to fight like in a regular army, right? Like, they're all there doing their thing because they want to, because they're they're tired, they're sick of it, right? Like, they're they're all there for their own reason. So, um, you know, maybe their their family was killed, maybe their planet was taken. You know, maybe their farm was burned, right? Like, like whatever. Like, they, they all got their own thing. So, um, I was like, yeah, this is this is what makes this show interesting, and that's why the the slow burn 
is kind of worth it because, you know, we actually have time to get into that kind of stuff. Otherwise, those deep, yeah. deep conversations wouldn't come up otherwise, right? No, they just keep glossed over to move on to the next action scene. Yeah. Um, Mon's husband and daughter don't seem to be aware of her involvement, the rebellion, or at least uh, they're not on board with it. I, I had a little trouble following what was going on at the dinner table, um, but in that mm -hmm. sequence, what I got, what I understood from that interaction and in the speeder in the in the in the uh the speeder cab when her husband continuously forgets the name of her driver he clearly doesn't care about her life very much like he's just he's just kind right. of not there you know and you know i in previously we've only ever seen mon mothma kind of like alone and uh, you know until now i always thought like wow she never, just never met anyone i like i didn't even know she had a daughter right so mm -hmm. um i i was just like in that same boat with everyone else like oh she's got a daughter oh she's got a husband like what <laughs> you know yeah, yeah um, exactly and they're clearly not very involved with her rebellion right i don't um, even i don't even know if it's that i feel to me it was like i felt like the political side for being a senator and it seemed like they they just they didn't care like, no. at all like yeah like, maybe it's I, like, I, I it's a story of like happening. the spoiled kid and like the bougie father who's just kind of like oh my wife kind of she's the breadwinner and i just kind of i love receiving gifts and you know i forget her driver's name and i don't really care what's going on oh you're not friends with that person oh well i'm friends with that person i'm gonna have them over for dinner anyways you know like he's that kind of guy yeah it's almost like <laughs> yeah to me, I read it as uh, it's a marriage that has been burned out because of politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their life yeah. just, and her life being so busy that everyone else is just checked out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, did you, uh, yeah, Darian, did you take anything away from that that dining room experience, the sequence there? Because uh, yeah, I think more so with with her daughter, like she's like trying to be like a good mom, like interested in her life, but she's also like so busy. Yeah. Um. I think I, I kind of want to think that they don't know about her involvement with the rebellion. Like I don't um, think so either. Yeah, that would be that would be my hope. But yeah, and obviously her husband, it's just like a classic movie relationship where it's just like not working out. Like it just dull. And um, yeah, you guys said it, so. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I know that's um, yeah, that's true. Uh, I wonder if they'll get into that later. But because they they keep popping up, but. yeah, it's got to go somewhere if it's reoccurring like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Serving papers. <laughs> <laughs> the last sequence of this episode, uh, we see a very nervous Luthen uh, who's uh, kind of second guessing his choice in recruiting Andor for that job, uh, which never thought we would see that because he no kind of looked pretty He's determined to hire Andor. Confident. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I guess. It just kind of goes back to that conversation that Mon was having with them. Like everyone who's in the higher ups, who's got so much to lose, like they got the jitters, you know, it's like, again, who's watching, who's listening, like who could make this all fall apart in one go. Right. And mm -hmm. cause it's so fragile. And, and that's part of the reason why it's all on a need to know basis for a lot of people in the rebellion, because that network is just not a faction yet. Like the rebel Alliance does not exist. So like people are doing this kind of, you know, unofficially, like people, you know, officially aren't doing any of this, right? So yeah. I mean, like, it's a it's a fragile network and a and a very fragile operation. So um, yeah, I think like he's definitely got like kind of the pre, 
the pre-jitters, right? If you were to watch this episode kind of back to back with the last one and the next one, it would all kind of just blend as one event that takes place. And, you know, the, the, the gaps, the, the weeks that we have to wait between episodes would kind of disappear and it'd be like, okay, yeah, let's not forget. This is the night before the mission. Um, you know, he knows it too. He's anxiously waiting to hear back as to whether or not the job was a success because he needs that money to feed the rebellion, right? Without that money, the rebellion is going to fall apart. Resources are going to disappear. Can't continue on, right? So I thought the prop for the the radio thing he was listening to was super cool. Yeah, it was. It like was like super World War Two, like early early radios. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, fellas, any last minute things to bring up before we wrap this one up? I guess. I'm excited to see how the heist goes wrong because that always happens. <laughs> it's true. It's going to be a twist. And someone is going to come save the day or ruin it. Like a serial could come freaking in and just like wreck the mission, like just get in the way or something. Who knows? I bet the uh, the imperial guy who turned that uh, was his name, Gord. Gorn. Yeah, Gorn or something. Uh, yeah. I bet. I bet he dies. That's my guess. Something happens and oh. he dies. So you're thinking we're going to get a Rogue One style sacrifice going on? I do, yeah. This Just the, the level of grit and drama in this show, like someone's got to die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, I mean, we know Andor makes it out, so. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> or, or that guy that um, wanted the crystal or took the crystal from him, I could see him giving up his life for Andor too. That yeah, that's true. Thing. That's a really good observation. Yeah, I mean, what does he got? He's, yeah. Yeah, maybe he's got nothing left to lose, but maybe he thinks like, oh, I can do this and someone else is going to now have like the belief, you know, belief in the cause, right? Because um, that's why a lot of people join the rebellion and rebels. It's like they had no motive to join the rebellion and then boom, the rebellion comes in and saves their skin or helps them out. And then they're like, now I want to be a part of this. I want to help people. And sometimes that's just the motive that they have, right? Sometimes it's not about revenge or bitterness. Sometimes it's about actually helping people because that was extended to them. Um, and that's kind of how some of the rebellion ends up growing into like a fire, right? It's like the spark that lights the fire of the rebellion that will burn the empire down. <laughs> a spark of rebellion. A spark of rebellion. That's right. Be careful here, you might start a spark of rebellion. Yeah, Agent Callus. Agent Callus. All right. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. All right, and to all our listeners tuning into Star Wars Escape Pod, always love having Darian and Blake on the show. We'll catch them in another episode, and we'll see you back here on Star Wars Escape Pod for another episode of uh, another breakdown of another Andor episode coming to you next week. Exciting times to be alive. Don't forget to check out the Discord. The link's in the description of the episode and all the stuff that we have coming up on Star Wars Escape Pod. May the Force be with you. <laughs>